Do you know where you're going? Recently, my husband John and I were driving along the coastline and noticed the patches of deep gray fog drifting in and blanketing various parts of the landscape. This was amazing to watch, but became disturbing as we were heading into a long freeway on-ramp. It seemed that ahead the road simply disappeared in a, in a heavy layer of mist, and given the height and lack of visibility, I was frightened, saying to my husband, I don't think we should drive into that. Ever the intrepid adventurer, my husband proceeded, and as we ventured into the fog, discovered it wasn't as deep as we imagined, and we could easily see the road ahead. Yet the memory of this experience penetrated my heart. How often in our faith journey do we face pathways of limited or nil visibility, and we're not certain if the road is safe or if it'll simply vanish beneath us. It's only our trust in a God who never leaves nor forsakes us that propels us forward and gives us the courage to proceed into places where we can't see and don't know what will happen. James must have been thinking of this when he wrote, How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. This might seem to be a verse that we don't want to pin our hopes on, but if we read on to verse 15, we'll see where hope lies. For here John writes, or James writes, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Thus, he seems to be advising that every aspect of our lives should rest in the hands of God. And this is advice that the writer of Hebrews confirms when he writes, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Nonetheless, we may feel that we're heading into a foggy patch of uncertainty as we gaze ahead into the COVID-blanketed 2021. For who could have imagined that we'd have 10 months of epidemic-driven shutdowns, mandatory masks, and fear-laced isolations? We can't even envision what another year will bring, let alone another month of such circumstances. But as I was thinking about the uncertainty of traveling into that fog and shrouded freeway, I realized the similarity of our current situation and thought that it's only as we put our trust in God that we can go forward with confidence. Psalm 148 says, the fire and hail, snow and clouds or fog, wind and weather, all obey the Lord. The prophet Isaiah declares that it is God who calls forth a messenger into his service to scatter his enemies before him like chaff before the wind. He chases them away and goes on safely, though he is walking over unfamiliar ground. And that's us, isn't it? Walking over unfamiliar ground. But we can also look to so many biblical representatives of this very season who were also traveling over unfamiliar ground and yet did so bravely and with the conviction of God's presence. 
And today we're going to look at them, and I hope they give us courage to face our own foggy future. Let's start with Zachariah, as he is the first to take a journey. Although he thought he knew where he was going and what he would be doing once he arrived, having been trained throughout his adult life for a temple service, yet still he had no idea what God had prepared for him. Upon entering the sanctuary to burn incense, he was met by the angel Gabriel, who told him that God was arranging for Zachariah and his wife to have a son. And not just any son, but one who would be great in the eyes of the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit and with the spirit and power of Elijah, and who would prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. That was too big of a mouthful for Zachariah to swallow, and he was shaken not only by the encounter, but by the prophecy. How can this be, he questioned, considering his age and barren wife. I am Gabriel, thundered the angel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Zachariah's doubt cost him his voice for at least the next nine months, and only when he agreed to the name of his son, John, was his lips opened to praise the Lord. Like us, when we began 2020, Zachariah thought he knew what was ahead. He had no idea what God had in store for him and his wife, or the world for that matter, and only when God delivered him out of his fog could he preach of God's tender mercy and the light to come who would guide us into the path of peace. And then there's Mary. She too had a heavenly visitation with an astounding message. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. Unlike Zachariah, she didn't fall back in fear and disbelief at this news. Her resolute response was, I am the Lord's servant. May everything be done as you have said, and may it come true. Then she too took a journey to see her cousin Elizabeth. It was a trip that likely took only four days, but can you imagine how her mind must have been a buzz with thoughts of her future? She'd have to tell her parents that she was with child and the father wasn't Joseph, but the Holy Spirit. She'd have to tell Joseph, her betrothed, that she conceived and faces potential wrath and rejection. Yet with all these uncertainties before her, she didn't let this fog cloud her thinking. Instead, she was filled with praise and said, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One is holy, and he has done great things for me. Did she imagine then of the journey she'd have to make, heavenly pregnant with her firstborn child? Not at all. But shortly she learned that the Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the empire, requiring them to return to their own ancestral towns to register. This decree forced Joseph and Mary to travel a grueling 90 miles in the freezing rain of a Judean winter. Given her condition, they could have only traveled about 10 miles a day, and thus it probably took them almost two weeks to get there. 
No wonder she went into labor shortly after they arrived, and as the pains increased, it's possible the couple wondered what their future held, with the Son of the Most High cradled in the womb of young Mary. With no hospitable shelter available to them, they were consigned to a stable, and as any of us women are aware, a cold, uncomfortable cowshed is not a hospital of choice for someone to give birth. Did God know what he was doing to set them and his son in such a filthy place? Although they perhaps didn't see or understand all that the father was doing at that time, it would show the world for all time that our Savior came to us in humility. Although a king above all kings, he commenced his earthly existence in a mean and lowly manger, the feeding trough of cattle. How much he loves us. Jesus' first visitors didn't have to travel very far to find him. The shepherds were in nearby fields, guarding their flocks of sheep when the angels came to visit them. Once they heard the words in the choir's songs, they rushed out of the hillsides and into the village. What would they find when they got there? Would they find a baby, a savior, the Messiah, the Lord, as the angel said, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger? Although their journey was the shortest of all, their wonder and uncertainty was no less real for them. Yet see the babe they did. Just as the angel told them, and upon seeing him, they rushed out and told everyone of the angel's message and their discovery of the tiny babe and who he was to the world, its savior. It was a life-changing event, and although they returned to their flocks, they went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Finally, we come to the wise men travelers who had the longest journey of all. As Matthew 2, 1 tells us, they came from eastern lands, likely from the Parthian Empire, an area known to have priestly magi class of astronomers. Their journey would have stretched well over 500 miles or 900 kilometers, perhaps even longer, and taken a number of months to make. Undoubtedly, it wouldn't have been an easy trip, even with the support and comfort their wealth arranged. But they were determined. The heavens displayed a marvelous sign. The kingmaker planet of Jupiter aligning with Saturn to produce a brilliant light in the night sky. They knew it foretold the arrival of a newborn king of the Jews and they yearned to worship him. And so they braved the freezing cold of the desert, the terror of robbers, the cost of the travel, the uncertainty of an inhospitable Herod to seek their quest. Was it worth it? Absolutely, for we're told that when they saw the star, they were filled with joy, and upon seeing the child with his mother Mary, they bowed down and worshipped him, presenting their treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Were they convinced this was the newborn king they traveled so far to find? Without a doubt, even heeding God's warning to avoid Jerusalem and the hateful Herod in their return journey. What do we learn today from our travelers? Will our journeys be easy? Will we know where we're going? 
We too may be entering a fog of uncertainty, yet we can trust our guide who will safely lead us where he wants us to go. See who he wants us to see and learn what we need to learn of our Savior. For God sees what we don't, knows what we can't, prepares for our future, forgives our past, presides over our present. There's no fog of uncertainty with him. God bless you, beloved. God bless you.